Hello and welcome to Mostly Nothing. On today's episode, we had Benita Matowska, an international speaker, including an awesome TEDx talk called The Secret of Sharing Economy. We definitely recommend you guys to check that one out. She's also the pioneer of Global Sharing Week and author of Generation Share. Benita is honestly one of the most wonderful individuals we've had the privilege to cross paths with. She inspired us with each and every story she shared and her passion is contagious to say the least. Benita unpicked the phrase game changer and explained how it's within each and every single one of us. For more information on Benita and the link to her book, please check the description. And if you enjoy this or any of our other episodes, please do leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out and leaves a huge smile on our faces. And come and say hey on Instagram. We love connecting with you all. Thank you again, Benita, for the inspiring conversation. We hope you all enjoyed this episode as much as we did. Mostly right. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're on the you're side? Yeah. Are you going to start? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, why not? <laughs> oh, I'm a bit nervous to start. Maybe <laughs> I've just, no, I've just come back from I think work. Like, let's my just go like... into the sharing economy, really, because I think that's like, yeah, your sharing economy um, expert. A lot of what you do is about that, isn't it? So I, I guess that that will kind of give the main background for what we we're going into. Mm. So if you if you don't mind, like you know, tell us what is that all about? Um, sharing yeah. economy, yeah. yeah. Well, well, I I define the sharing economy as it's a system to live by. So it's where we care for people and planet and we share available resources in any way that we can. And what I mean by that is when you start to look at how the world currently operates or has been operating, we know that a third of our food globally, for example, is wasted. Yet 40,000 people die every single day because they don't have access to food and shelter and water. But all of those resources are actually available and they're surplus. And so what a sharing economy does is it finds a way to match that excess, that surplus, that waste with the need. And so in a sharing economy, there's no such thing as waste. It's just resource in the wrong place is how I would describe Mm. it. And so my work really has been about based on this idea that We live in a planet where we have finite planetary resources, but we have an unlimited, as human beings, we have an unlimited capacity to share and collaborate. So each of us, within each of us, we have unlimited sharing potential. And so my work is really about saying, well, how can we, how can we unleash that? You know, how can we find different ways in which you know, all of us can share because, you know, this is not some kind of exclusive club to share is to be human. It's what connects us and what unites us. And, you know, they're very simple things that we can do. Everybody brings something into this world. We all have gifts and talents and we have resources, you know, and whether we're living in the most impoverished community, you know, I have an incredible story of a woman in the slums in Mumbai who created a school for girls out of nothing, you know, out of absolutely nothing and huge, huge challenges in that kind of environment. And so this is not about what we have materially, but it's about how can we as human beings, what can we do to connect and share with other people? And that might be something as simple as as smiling at somebody in the street. It might be something as simple as, you know, sharing um, some 
food that you have that's spare with someone who needs it. It might be something as simple as, you know, helping a neighbour. Um, there are lots of different ways in which we can share. And, and there's no kind of off limits in terms of, you know, everybody can have access to this and everybody can do this. So I think really that's, you know, that's what my work is about. It's on a very human level, but also on, a, on an organisational level, on a business level, you know, to build the kind of caring, sharing economy that we need to have that's sustainable, because we know we have these huge challenges of climate change and we've just been living through a pandemic. And, you know, this is about how we need to come together. Nobody's doing this alone. And I think if the last year has taught us anything, it's exactly that, that we can't do this alone, that we need to be collaborating with other people. We need to be working in communities, in partnerships, that we need to find better ways of doing things. And, you know, what's interesting to me about what's happened during this pandemic is that COVID has exposed fault lines in our economy. It's exposed a system that was broken. And we have this opportunity to build back better, to completely reimagine society and to create the society that we want and deserve and need for the future, because how we've been operating just hasn't been working. So I see all of this as an opportunity. And I think that's for me is the kind of is potentially the most exciting thing to come out of what have been obviously, you know, some very difficult times for a lot of people, particularly older people, vulnerable people. Um, it's been very, very isolating. I think the lack of, you know, the lack of human touch and connection. I mean, just not being oh, able yeah. to hug people. I mean, that's, you know, that's what oh, I'm God. finding difficult a year on is the fact that I've not been able to hug my parents and they're both ill and they're both older and they both need support. And yet the very thing that I would like to do to give them that kind of comfort, I've not been able to do that. And that's difficult. Um, So I think we need to be looking at, you know, moving into the future. How can we how can we work together? How can we collaborate? How can we share? How can we completely build the society that we that we want and we need and we deserve? And that's really what I'm interested in. Oh, how incredible. uh, Yeah, I think it's, you know, such an incredible way of like really, you know, through sharing. I haven't ever really heard anyone going into that niche. And it's it's just so so lovely. Do you want to share a bit like how you came like came across into going into this? Because you know, like it is a niche, and yeah, tell us a bit. Yeah, about well, that. it's it's there's no short answer, so I will I will I'll try I'll try and summarise. But I was I worked in broadcasting for over twenty years. So I started out as a journalist. I worked at the BBC. I was working in radio. I worked for a number of BBC radio programmes. We can and tell. And I and I worked, you know, for for, for for years. That's that's what I was doing. I was really passionate about telling stories. I've always been a storyteller, and I've loved to write. And I worked in television, and I worked in travel programming, and I was just in youth programming, and I was always just in documentaries. And I was always really interested in 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 how can we bring these stories to life? How can we tell stories that are going to have an impact on the world? And, and I became increasingly, as the years went on, and I was, you know, climbing further and further up that TV ladder, you realise you're in a complete bubble and you, you end up in a kind of an, an exclusive, quite a privileged club, frankly. And, mm-hmm. and I got to a point where I was becoming very frustrated, the kinds of programmes that I wanted to make, the kind of programmings that I, programs that I wanted to see on the screens were programmes that had a more positive impact. And actually... I was finding that a lot of the programming that was being commissioned was very kind of derivative. It was, um, you know, this idea of the lowest common denominator, very formatted, formulaic television um, with always some kind of tabloid help, you know, headline. 
um, the idea that you bring in this expert that kind of saves the day and and every step of the way the kinds of programs that I wanted to make it became more and more of a challenge to do that and and after a sort of particularly dreadful meeting at a broadcaster that shall remain nameless um I I just had enough and I basically you know realized that this was just not this was not the kind of place for me to do the work that I wanted to do and if I wanted to have more impact then I needed to to take a step out of that world and so I left and I decided what I would do is go and work in the charity sector for a year but that's easier said than done because when you've been working in you know in television and broadcasting in the private sector you don't have the language of the, you know, of the of the charity sector, for example, and it was actually quite difficult to to break in. Um, but I persevered, and eventually I did. And it was quite a culture shock, to be honest. Things move at a much slower pace. You know, I'd been in production, and everything is kind of do do do. Have an idea, make it happen, get on with it. I'm very entrepreneurial. And, and this felt very different. It was a much slower pace. I'd be going to meetings about meetings about meetings. And that, and, and that was quite frustrating in and of itself. Um, but it was a really fascinating year. And uh, the role that I had was head of global entrepreneurship, Enterprise UK. And my friends used to joke that it sounded like head of the world. My title was like head of the world. It was this ridiculous kind of, you know, highfalutin title. And and, you know, I'd be called to present all sorts of awards and, uh, you know, I was invited to all kinds of, you know, sort of fancy events. And it took me into, frankly, all kind of areas of life that I, I had never really accessed previously. And, and it was, you know, it was extraordinary. I learned a lot during that year. I made a lot of interesting, met a lot of really interesting people. And I received a call to be um, what was called a counsellor for the One Young World Congress. And One Young World Congress, you may have heard about it, was kind of like a youth Davos. And the idea was to give young people a voice and young people at the time being defined as under the age of 25. And I was older than 25 at this stage. But what they were asking we're not young for... anymore. <laughs> there you go. Well, it happens so quickly, doesn't it? Suddenly you're like one, one minute you're 16, the next minute yeah. then you're a whole other stage. I'm still getting used to that. Exactly. Exactly. And, um, and, you know, it was just, it was quite extraordinary because uh, I was, I was asked to be a, a counsellor, which was kind of like a mentor. And in my very sort of TV way, you know, I was like, okay, what do you need me to do? And who else have you got? And, you know, and it was kind of like Desmond Tutu and Bob Geldof and all of these extraordinary people. And he was like, you've got to be kidding, you want me? And, um, and so, you know, there I was at, you know, at the One Young World Congress, literally backstage with Desmond Tutu. And, <laughs> It was a really humbling experience because, you know, and I, I felt like I had complete imposter syndrome. You know, what do you say to somebody who's, you know, what a life's work, who's created such impact on the world? And it was really, really a humbling experience. And in that moment, I decided that the next thing that I would go on to do would be something that was much more about and at that point, I wasn't necessarily thinking about sharing, but it was what the thing that kept going through my mind was, you know, the world is a very unequal place. There is such a huge chasm between rich and poor. There is such mm. um, inequality in the world. And that was what I was interested in tackling in some way, shape or form. So that's sort of where that kind of drive started. 
And I left the event and the word that would not lead me, leave me was the word sharing. And I literally was waking up in the night with this kind of sharing, sharing, sharing. And I quit my job, Enterprise UK. And at that point, you know, my friends were like, you know, what, what is Benita doing? My parents were like, okay, the move from TV was one thing, um, but now... I don't know. People would ask, what's Benita up to? And well, she's sharing, you know. Mm. And I didn't really know either. But one morning I woke up and the first thought that came into my head was, what's wrong with the world is there's a shortage of sharing. And I then went on to think, well, we can fix that because each of us has this unlimited capacity to share. And if we can find a way of unleashing that, if we can inspire people to share then there's no end to what we can achieve. And I didn't necessarily have a body of research behind that. This is very kind of instinctive. And it was something that just came mm. wherever it came from. It mm. came out of me and it was, it felt like more of a sort of calling or something like that. And, and then from that point on, I was just started to do some research and, you know, and I started finding all these kind of stories and, and I was, that's what I was looking for. I was looking for stories of people that were sharing and really thinking about how sharing could have an impact. And, and then I started, you know, thinking about this idea of what if we had an economy that was built around sharing? What if we had a society that was, that was built around these principles? And so, you know, back in, in 2010, I started talking about this idea of a sharing economy and, people would look at me like I was some kind of, you know, alien from Mars. And that still happens occasionally, you know, but maybe for other reasons. And, and I, I started giving talks about the sharing economy. I didn't know what it was, um, but I just had some ideas. And whoever would listen to those ideas, um, I was happy to talk to them. And then I set up the people who share and that began as the campaign for sharing because I looked at all these other campaigns you know I have a campaign for just about everything but that didn't exist and so for me that was the start of this this journey into this world of sharing and then you know the sharing economy as a term became associated with Silicon Valley and with Airbnb and with all of these different, you know, technology platforms mostly. But I suppose my work is really about saying that, you know, this isn't about necessarily about technology platforms or about, you know, business, but it's about society and the economy at large. Mm. And, and everyone has a role to play in the sharing economy mm. and in building the sharing economy. And what really matters is that we care for people and planet and we find ways of sharing those available resources. And so I started to build partnerships. And one of the first campaigns that we ran as the people who share, which has always been volunteer run and nonprofit, was National Sharing Day. And National Sharing Day became, grew into Global Sharing Day because it, it just, it went viral. And, and I just remember in the run-up to National Sharing Day, I just had this idea of, again, it's coming back to this sort of campaigner in me is, well, you know, we have these days and these weeks for just about everything. And at Enterprise UK, I ran Global Entrepreneurship Week. So it's not surprising that I, you know, I created something called Global Sharing Week. But the point, you know, of that to me was having a day, a sort of call to action where we focus, we shine a spotlight and we focus on something really positive and really good that everybody can do, to me is very leveling. 
And so National Sharing Day happened. We had no money. I had a few volunteers, but we brought on board 45 partner organizations. And, you know, we engaged like a million people across the UK. And there were all kinds of events that were happening all over this country, you know, from clothes swaps to skills shares to food sharing, all sorts of sharing that was happening. And, and you know, we just, and, and it just went viral. Um, and that couldn't have been more surprising to me. I wasn't expecting that to happen. Um, had some great press. Of course, I pulled in a few favours from my back in my kind of journalist and TV days. And of course, that's what you need to do. Why not? And yeah. and it just, you know, it went viral. And, and I had people tweeting at me from like the Philippines and, um, you know, Uzbekistan and kind of just, it was just, it was completely <laughs> unimaginable. There was all sorts of people got involved. And then I just said, well, hey, let's do Global Sharing Day. Why not? Um, and mm -hmm. so Global Sharing Day happened and we brought on more partners. And then in 2015, it became Global Sharing Week. Mm -hmm. And it's run, you know, beginning of June is, is when it happens. Um, and last year was obviously very different because the pandemic was happening. People couldn't meet together. Um, that said, there's always been a digital element to this. So, you know, there's always been lots of online activity. But given what the world was facing last year, it felt that something different, a different approach was needed. And so what we did was we created a map of impact. And, and on that map, we had a few hundred projects, um, positive projects that people could, you know, could find out more about whether that was, you know, food sharing projects, food banks, um, whether that was, you know, helping to find, you know, employment, um, all kinds of positive projects around the world. Um, which is now this year we're kind of taking that onto a whole other level and i can tell you a bit more about that as well oh yeah i relate so much so with funny. this Benita. you know like growing up in the countryside in a very small town you know sharing economy over there was just the normal economy you know i have some extra eggs someone else has some extra vegetables or whatever that's how people um, do things over there. And I think, you know, the main challenge is translating that, that mentality, that, that mindset into a more modern city environment, let's say, some, you know, a place like London, with which has almost 9 million people living over here, I think now it's almost 9 yes, million yeah. people. And I, and I guess it, it kind of, the main thing is, is really to build those smaller communities, isn't it? Like those local communities within a bigger community. Do you think... You well, know, it's, it's, but, but I think it, COVID really made people realize that, isn't it? That, that definitely, definitely. Things. And, you know, it's interesting because you're from Portugal, Diogo, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, I don't know where yeah. in Portugal you're from, but, you know, what's what's quite interesting for me is so I've I've spent a fair bit of time in Portugal. I, I you mm. know, I, I, I love Portugal and <laughs> and I haven't traveled extensively, but I have been to a few, you know, a few places around the country. And I've also been to speak quite a few times because I'm, you know, I work as a, an international speaker and I've spoken at Greenfest and a few other, um, you know, change maker, social impact related events. And there's always been a really positive reception in, in Portugal for these ideas about sharing and sustainability. And, you know, when my book launched Generation Share and uh, Sophie and I, Sophie is the, is the photographer and co-creator of the book, um, we went on a world tour and, and, you know, Portugal was one of the most well-attended, successful book launches that we had. You know, there's a real kind of appetite for these things. And I think, you know, I think you're right in terms of, you know, it starts, it starts very locally. 
And I think as individuals, what we can all do is we can all connect and share locally. And we've seen during this pandemic, you know, these, uh, you know, WhatsApp groups have popped up where people are getting together in their, not physically, but getting together in their streets, you know, using technology um, to be able to create communities to help each other. So, you know, in my street, we've had this really lively WhatsApp group throughout the whole pandemic and people might post, you know, I've got some elderly people in the street, they might need something picking up from the pharmacy and they'll post that. And, you know, one of us will answer that call and we'll go and do that. And so, and that's not unusual. That's happened, you know, all over, certainly all over the city, all over the country and we, and all over the world. You know, there's been something, I think, of a kindness pandemic that we've had. Um, I started writing a blog a year ago called Love in the Time of Corona and to collect positive stories of kindness. And and, and at a certain point, I was kind of, there were just too many of them in a way. Mm. It, was, it was sort of like, wow, there's just so much of this in a really, very, very positive way. So, you know, I think there's lots of positives to come out of this. But I think you're right. Yes, it starts with, it starts with, you know, local and community. But I do believe that, Importantly, for us to have to change the system, this change needs to be systemic. It's going to take everybody across all sectors. So whether you're, you know, an entrepreneur, um, you know, whether you're somebody who's working for a large corporation, whether you are, uh, you know, a charity, uh, working in a charity, uh, whether you're a student, you know, I think wherever you are, you know, work in the public sector, you work for the NHS, I think wherever you are in society, it's really about, okay, what can we do to, to share the resources that we we have available to us and to make better use of resources you know we did some research a few years back at the people who share and we calculated that there are over 3.5 trillion pounds worth of idle resources in the world and you know that's ridiculous and that's just tip of the iceberg really that's just what we were able to kind of calculate in you know in less than a day's worth of research so uh, you know, my point being that there's so much that's wasted mm. and and needlessly and pointlessly so. And, you know, we've got the old adage, what's one person's trash is another person's treasure. And it's it's so true. You know, if you if you look at the the volumes of food I mentioned that oh. go to landfill, it's just this isn't food that's out of date. It's not food that doesn't look perfect enough, isn't it? The apple it might be is, the, is not round enough. The apple <laughs> might not be round enough. It might be, you know, <laughs> ugly in some people's eyes. But equally, it might be that the, you know, the 12th outer layer of packaging has a tear in it. So it's deemed to be unfit for consumption. There's nothing wrong with the food. Um, so I think, you know, the, the point is, is that we've set up, we've, we've been living in a society where a lot of the regulation, the kind of bureaucracy around our production and our systems mm. makes no logical sense and creates inherently a lot of waste in the system. We've also been designing for obsolescence, you know, oftentimes at the very beginning of the process, we're designing products that are not made to last. You know, we design them to be obsolete very, very quickly. Um, you know, you only have to look at fast fashion and, um, you know, yep. fast yep. food and, you know, these fast industries where ultimately, you know, there's so much waste in that system. Huge. And and that's pointless. And that's why we've seen the rise of, you know, this whole idea of a circular economy and sharing economy is an umbrella term. And, and it includes the circular economy means the economy in nature by virtue of being in a circle. It means that our methods of production and distribution are created in a way that we're constantly, there's a, there's a, there's a loop, you know, we're constantly giving back and we're designing something that's going to make a positive contribution to the planet rather than taking from it mm. all the time, because that whole idea of extraction and taking it's, it's linear. Yeah. It's a road to nowhere. 
Um, so, you know, we need to we need to shake up the system. And so, yes, whilst on, on the one hand, it absolutely starts with each of us. There's something that each of us can change. You know, we're all change makers at heart. Mm. And much of the work that I do now is around change making and becoming mm. a change maker and unleashing that potential for change in all of us. So as much as it starts with the individual and then there's what you do with your local community, it's also about, you know, across sectors and businesses and communities and public sector, private sector, charity sector, social enterprise sector. It's going to take all of us. The, the challenges that we face are monumental. You know, you mm. look at climate change and also the speed at which we need to take action. You know, time is absolutely not on our side. And so we really need to be moving much more quickly in that respect. So, yeah, there's so much that we can that we can so. do. Uh, yeah, we kind of need to leave behind this overly uh, capitalist way of doing things or mm. just focusing on on profit. I, I think some companies sometimes they, they don't make things to last because they just want you to buy the next thing, you know, straight away by the next year. They, they don't Absolutely. Have you throw Absolutely. away the previous thing. And Absolutely. we need to, it's obvious that's not sustainable, you know, it's <laughs> not going to work yeah, of course not. Uh, in, in the long run. And we already seen the, the consequences of mm. that, you know, with our, especially with the environment, like you're saying, your climate change. Uh, exactly of it is due to that isn't it exactly and i think you know that there are there are definitely some really poignant and important lessons that have been learned in the last year and i think by virtue of the fact that we've had to stop just to stop and stay at home and shops have been closed and okay there has been online shopping but i you know there has been definitely for a lot of people a kind of reevaluation of what do i actually need if i can only leave my home to get something that's necessary you know we've had these terms like key workers we've started to look at what's important who's important what's important what do i need um you know we've been talking about you know necessities um they do say necessities the mother of invention and i think that's really true and so you know i think one of the things that has come out of the pandemic is it has been an awakening for a lot of people and people have started to realize that all of these things that they thought they needed they don't need and and people have also in many ways been forced to spend more time in nature so you know taking that walk every day getting some exercise when a lot of the choices have been taken away from you for a lot of people it has been a complete rediscovery of what it means to be a human being of what's really important of who mm. matters in our lives um, at a time when we've been on the one hand physically isolated we've never been more digitally connected which i think mm. is quite interesting and you know through technology such as zoom um, which we're obviously using now, mm. you know, people have been able to to connect, you know, in vision with people on a daily basis. Um, and I think that's really interesting. And perhaps I would argue mm. that some of our relationships with people who don't live in the, in the areas that we live in, we've had more communication with them. Um, mm. And it's opened up all kinds of, you know, sort of possibilities. So I feel quite positive about a lot of what's happened. And, you know, I do go looking for the positive because fundamentally, so six years ago now, I set out to write this book, Generation Share. And, you know, this is this is the book, the big yellow book yeah. of hope, oh. as it's known. And and 
you know, the idea really behind Generation Share is this, this sense that I have that to change the world, we need to change the narrative. We mm. need to start telling different stories, more positive stories, stories of hope, stories of transformation, because people need role models. People need inspiration. People need to know that something is possible. That, And so my book is a collection of stories of 200 change makers from around the world, from different demographics, you know, people that live, um, you know, from different religions, from different cultures, from different geographies, people with disabilities, um, you know, all kinds of people have been involved in this book. It's incredibly diverse because what I wanted to explore was this question of, you know, who are these change makers? Who are these change makers who are building a more caring, sharing society and economy? And, you know, is this about demographics? Is this about, you know, where you live, whether you live in an urban area or a rural area? Is it about age? You know, are we better sharers when we're younger or when we're older? Is this about gender? You know, is this about disability? Is this about culture or religion or, you know, your economic status? And I really wanted to better understand that. And ultimately, you know, the journey of the book, um, I worked with Sophie Scheinwald, who is a photographer with purpose and impact, because I wanted to, I wanted to bring the stories to light in a way that would be accessible, that would be inspiring. And by actually seeing, you know, photos of people, you really get a sense of who they are. And also you start to kind of demystify this idea. These are not some like, you know, people that you put on a pedestal, but they're people who, they're ordinary people. They're ordinary people doing extraordinary things. And what that tells you is any one of us could do extraordinary things. Okay, some of the people in the book have had, you know, unimaginable, horrific, horrific challenges that they've had to face. And out of those huge crises and traumas have come this determination to create something positive. And there are lots of stories like that, but many of the people would, they consider themselves to be ordinary people doing extraordinary things. And so, you know, this idea that to change the world, we need to change the narrative is for me is really sort of bearing out. And, you know, so, I mean, I'll give you some examples of, of stories in the book. So, please, you know, there's, there's a, a boy called Ashok Rathod and from the slums in, you know, in India. And he, realized that he looked around he saw that you know kids were just dropping out of school that the dropout rate you know for slum based kids was was very very high it was like 96 percent of kids would drop out of school and mostly the reason why they would drop out of school was because they couldn't afford to be there you know their families didn't have enough money to eat so they were being put to work um but also because it was very hard for them to access education because if you came from a slum and the language that you spoke was your local dialect you didn't speak in, you didn't speak Hindi, you didn't speak English, you couldn't actually access the system because you didn't understand what was being taught. So it made that completely a kind of closed door for so many kids. And, you know, he, he realised that in order to, to find a way to effectively entice kids to have an education, that he would need something, he would need something that was really engaging. And for him, it was through sports, it was through football. And, so he he basically crowd effectively crowdfunded for one football. So one football at the time cost 400 rupees, which was the equivalent of four pounds. And so he he you know all of these kids in the in the area got together and they each put in their one rupee, and and they bought a football because with one football so many kids could play a match. You know you could have 22 kids, yeah. but actually 
many more than that. And so they started this kind of this sort of street football. Um, and, you know, India's known for its cricket, not its football. Um, but what was interesting about that was his deal with them was you can only come and play football if you come to these classes. And so in order to play the football, they had to do the classes. They had to complete the classes in English, in maths, in, you know, in IT, um, science. And that was the deal. And obviously now this has grown to be, you know, he's educated thousands and thousands of girls and boys. And also the education of the girls was really controversial because, you know, he would have to go and have these conversations with, with parents um, because they didn't want their kids to be going to school when they could be out earning money for the family working. Mm. and they could be working, they could be bringing in an, a much needed income. And Ashok used to spend time with the families, but ultimately once he'd convinced them, he would say, but I will only take your boys if I take your girls because, and 40% of those who attend are girls, which is, you know, which is incredible kind of barrier that he's managed to break in, you know, in India where it's hugely challenging. And so, you know, Ashok is an amazing change maker and he's really about making dreams come true and about lifting the ceiling on, you know, on futures and ambitions for the kids that have the least. Um, And, you know, there are many stories like that in the book. There's a, there's a doctor in Greece, an incredible woman who set up a, um, a network of clinics, free clinics in abandoned spaces for refugees and people who did not have access to healthcare. And her point was that as a doctor, she's a very senior doctor, as it happens, and as one of the most humble people I met on the whole journey. She's like, why do you want to include me in your book? What have I done? Go figure. <laughs> wow. What have I done? And Olga Kasidu, Dr. Olga Kasidu, and, you know, she sparked this network. And, you know, there are now hundreds of these clinics. But the point is that, you know, what they were doing was they were using surplus medicines that would otherwise be wasted um, with no good reason. They were operating out of spaces that often were unused, abandoned spaces. They were also bringing people together and they had, you know, community like soup kitchens and people would bring clothing and donate clothing. And so these became not only the place where you could go and and get treated if you were sick, but also places of community where people would come together and they could get a hot, you know, meal. They could get some clothing, uh, they could make connections and perhaps even find some employment. So, and create, you know, friendships, of course, as well from that. And so my fascination really is with change makers and, you know, what, and I asked this question, you know, what does it take to be a change maker? What is a change maker? You know, and, and this idea of, you know, a change maker being somebody who wants to make a difference to people and planet. And so I started looking at, through, you know, once the book was published, I then started looking at, well, are there characteristics that, you know, that are common, that all these change makers have in common? And I found six key characteristics. So, <laughs> so the first one is sharing. So all of these, not surprisingly, that's, you know, my passion. So all of these change makers have you know, a desire to share. So they're not only doing something for themselves because they want to create a better future for themselves, but they also want to create a better future for others. So they're sharing in some way or they're sharing resources in some way. The next one is bravery, is brave, because it takes it takes guts. You know, it takes 
bravery to be able to often reinvent the wheel or travel upstream or you know do something that might be counter to how the system works and just trying to get people on your side or you know there was a woman in Jerusalem who set up a school in a really impoverished area of Jerusalem and what she wanted to do was it was an area where they said the birds would never fly it was incredibly polluted and she wanted to bring the birds back to a very impoverished area and create an urban kibbutz, um, you know, a school and kibbutz where kids could come and they could learn to plant. And the idea being that, you know, you have people from different neighborhoods and different backgrounds in different religions and they're planting and they're growing together, then they're going to overcome prejudices that they may have. And there's all kinds of positives that can come out of that. But she was dealing with, you know, bureaucracy of, you know, being able to open up this school building and all kinds of regulations. It took a huge amount of bravery to do that. So it's sharing, it's bravery. And the next one is adaptability because... Mm you've got to be willing to adapt and change. Look, we never know what's coming up next. We didn't know we were a year, just over a year ago, we never knew we were gonna be facing COVID. Um, Who knows what's around the corner. And if we can't change, if we can't change and adapt, then you know we're simply not going to survive the future so i think being being willing to be open and say you know things may not turn out the way i intend them but i need to move with the times i need to adapt and that adaptability you know is 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 incredibly important um then we've got then we've got love and you know very often when i give talks and particularly if i'm talking to you know a, a crowd of of you know, of hardcore kind of business people or people in the finance sector, you know, you sort of say the word love in that context and everyone sort of gets a bit jittery, you know, or there'll be, there'll be, there'll be there's usually, there's usually, there's usually a few, usually women in the room who will just breathe a sigh of relief and thank, thank you, thank God for that, you know. Um, but the point being that, you know, all of these change makers, they act out of love. They act from a place which is about the decisions that they're making are decisions that are made from the heart. They're doing this with purpose and with reason. And quite often, and I find this is a really useful exercise, if you're going along and you're doing something, and let's say you just come up against a real stumbling block and it's a huge, huge challenge, whatever it might be, it might be something in your personal life, it might be something in your working life, but something is just, it's just, there's, it feels like you're against the wall. And it's sometimes it's like, okay, well, stop, take a step back. And I imagine if love was a person, what would they do in this situation? Like, what would they do? How would they handle it? What would their decision be? And it's amazing how when you ask that question, suddenly you start to kind of see things in a different way and you start to make decisions. So that's, you know, that's, that's really, really important. The next characteristic, which you're also getting from me, I know, is positive and positivity. And, you know, all of these change makers, however challenged their situation may have been, whatever traumas they have may, may have been through, whatever difficult circumstances, whatever economic challenges they may have faced, they remain to be positive and solution focused. They're looking for answers. They're, they're finding ways. They're about being positive and hopeful. And I believe that, you know, positivity is a really important characteristic, for example, you know, of the sharing economy, because it, you know, it brings that kind of much needed optimism and hope that is needed in, you know, a time where, you know, cynicism and negativity and populism and hate and totalitarianism have been winning votes. You know, we've been through a period of time where those kinds of ideas have been given, you know, leverage. I mean, thank goodness Trump is out of the White House. Thank goodness for that. But, 
you know, the fact is that some of those ideas had been really gaining a lot of ground. And so positivity is really important because what it does is it legitimizes the good in society. And Mm. by elevating these stories of positivity, of transformation, of hope, what you do is you pave the way for so much more good to happen in society. So positivity is very important. Mm. And the final one is being future facing or future focused. And all of these change makers have not been making decisions or or creating projects based on, I need to do this right now. And they're not looking down into the kind of weeds, but what they're doing is they're looking ahead. They're saying, Mm -hmm. you know, we're looking into the future. How are these decisions that I am taking now going to impact for the long term? And as a society, we've been very short termist. You know, that's why economies are in a mess. That's why we have climate change. That's why we have, arguably, that's why we've had COVID. You know, there's all kinds of ways in which we've been incredibly short sighted. And we've created systems that don't work because they were just about doing it about quick fix. And quick fixes never happen. We always pay in some way. Um, You know, I know in economics, um, you know, in new economics, we talk about, um, internalizing externalities and essentially what that means is there's always a cost you know if somebody walks into Primark and they buy you know a one pound t-shirt jumper pair of trousers whatever it is someone is paying a cost for that someone is paying a price for that often with their lives and the planet is certainly paying and that's what we need to understand that there is a cost there is a true cost and we need to start understanding that. So by taking this kind of long view, which is what the change makers in Generation Share do, we start to really take that into consideration now so that when we're making decisions, we're making them for the best of people and planet for the long term. So those are the key sort of characteristics that really have, you know, have come out of the book. And also the other kind of big lesson of create for me of creating this book is that I wanted to put something out there that not only brought hope and optimism and inspiration, but actually in and of itself created some kind of social impact. So it's made from 100% waste. It's, um, I worked with a nonprofit publisher that published books about social change. And every copy that's purchased educates a girl in the slums in Mumbai, feeds and educates a girl in the slums in Mumbai and plants a tree. And so Artie Naik, who's one of our featured change makers who created the Saki School for Girls in, in Mumbai, um, she, her school benefits from the sales of the book. And, you know, today we've, we're on track to educate just over 2,000 girls and plant 2,000 trees. We want to, you know, we want to get up there. And so that's an opportunity for people to do that. And, you know, I wanted to do this as a nonprofit venture because, mm it was about creating social impact and the value that I get from it, you know, is far greater than any commercial value. Um, it's, you know, it's creating positive change for people and planet. And this year, um, the decision was, okay, so, you know, in 2019, the book was published and Sophie and I, we raised funds, we raised sponsorship through ethical sponsors to travel, to create these incredible, inspiring events. I mentioned we we went to Portugal and we were in Lisbon um, and we had a fantastic launch event there. 
and we would bring together change makers from different parts of that you know city or country for an evening of inspiration and we would have change makers that featured perhaps in the book or local change makers to speak at these events so it wasn't just Sophie and I telling our stories but also bringing this network of other change makers and it was a fantastic you know period of time but obviously 2020 came and that travel wasn't possible and so you know the decision was in 2021 in January we've launched the digital um, change makers the world digital tour for change makers and each month we focus on a different country or region of the world so in January we were in we're on zoom but we're in Greece um, in February it was Morocco March was Mexico and April it's Poland and and then you know each month and people that come to the events can recommend or suggest a country to focus on and also we are building a map of hope so at these events people come along and they get a chance through breakout rooms to contribute to this map of hope and so you might have heard of um, you know a particular project that you want to share and everyone gets a chance to share their projects or other projects and we are populating that and that lives on the people who share um, platform so anybody can access that map and we're, it's in its very early stages at the moment and you know it will we'll get we'll get a little bit fancier and we'll have some nice graphics ultimately but right now we're just you know we're slowly building this map of hope and again you know we want to see that really kind of populated because it's feeding into this idea that we need to tell these positive stories and that's really what I'm doing through all of the work that I do and the public speaking that I do is really about, you know, I do a lot of work also with businesses and business transformation and helping businesses to survive for the future because the kinds of skills that they need, they need to become what I call change maker companies. They need to embody those characteristics of change makers. It's not enough to be able to be commercially successful anymore. You have to be making a contribution to people and planet else. You just won't survive. And we've seen that during this pandemic. We've mm. seen those kind of businesses that didn't really do anything for community and planet. We've seen them die. You know, we're seeing these, you know, huge kind of monoliths falling apart because they're just they're just seen to be completely out of touch with what's happening in the world. People now expect that there's going to be some giving back. There needs to be some kind of sharing that's inherent in all of that. So, you know, wow. a lot of potential. Wow. You've done such incredible, um, incredible job as well, I think, explaining the importance of storytelling. I think storytelling is, you know, <laughs> extremely important and you've really highlighted that in such a beautiful way. And um, you, you touched upon, um, what's the word? It's just left my mind. Um, bravery mm. you touched upon bravery i think that interlinks as well with storytelling to a degree because i think it takes bravery to be able to storytell it takes vulnerability to be able to do that and i just want um to ask you um for those who are listening and for those who let's say are fearful of taking that next step to become that you know game changer what would you say to these people I think it's it's always important to know that everybody brings gifts and talents into this world. Everybody has value. It doesn't matter where you come from, where you live, what community you reside in, what religion you are, what race you are, what gender you are. These things, uh, you know, it, 
everybody brings a positive contribution to this world. Everybody can do this. And, and I, you know, I really can't emphasize that enough, you know, at the, um, the last event that we had, and we always, at these um, digital events, one of the things that we, we do is we want to give as much as possible. We always want to have one of our speakers be, you know, somebody who's from, it's, it's giving a voice to the voiceless. It's that kind of idea of somebody who just doesn't ever get a platform to speak. And so we had um, a woman from a young young woman um, called Anna Hurtado. She runs the Afro-Mexican Youth Movement Youth Network um, in Mexico. And, you know, it's the equivalent of Black Lives Matters in, you know, in Mexico. And, you know, she I mean, the work that they do and the kind of discrimination that they face in Mexico, I mean, is just, you know, it's, it's just it really is, you know, I say unbelievable, but it is believable because we've we've seen what's we know the kind of the kind of racism that exists the world over. And we understand that. Um, but this was the first time she'd ever spoken in public. It was the first time she'd ever done any kind of presentation. Um, She was absolutely terrified. And so, you know, what we did was our Mexican moderator, um, uh, she spent some time in the in the run-up, Alejandra Ruizdana, she spent some time in the run-up to the event, you know, doing some coaching. We had some Zoom sessions. And so we gave Anna that kind of opportunity to, um, you know, to gain confidence. And, and ultimately, she was fantastic. She was fantastic, you know. And this idea that, you know, there's some kind of, um, you know, aura around these people who are able to either speak in public or um you know be change makers is nonsense everybody can do this everybody can do it and i think it really starts with that knowledge and that belief and you know i would say to anyone who's who's fearful you know have a look at the book i mean the book is you can get the book it's available online um and I can give you, and you can happily give that out to your, you know, to your listeners. I can give you a discount code and you can, you know, you can post that and people oh, can freely lovely. use that. Thank so you. I'm really happy to share that. And, you know, it's all, all going for a good cause. That's the important thing. But people can see these stories and realize that, you know, someone, someone, a few people have, have commented when they've read the book and they've said, you know, I feel like I know these people, like they're very relatable. And I think that's what's important. Uh, you know, again, you know, this is not some kind of exclusive club at all. It's everybody can do this. And I think that's that's the important thing. Um, you know, yes, they're, they're, they become role models to a certain degree. Yes, it's their photos, but they're ordinary people doing extraordinary things. And we can all be ordinary people doing extraordinary things. We all have that potential Amen. within us. Oh, Benita, Absolutely. thank you so much for what you do and, and just just staying busy with the right things. I guess that's that's the main point, because, you know, unfortunately, we live in a world where it seems like the more divisive and polemic you are, the more attention you end up getting yeah. by the media, yeah. by other people. Mm-hmm. And we, we should just go in the opposite direction. So, you know, th- thank you for, for all you've done. And I yeah, will we'll, continue we'll, to do. Yeah, we'll share. We'll we'll definitely, um, you know, share the word. You know, we have this this. Yeah. Thank future. you so much. And, you know, I, I think it's important. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm interested in doing more work in the kind of in the business sector. I, I do a fair amount of work with, you know, with corporations, um, some, you know, large corporations and with, you know, with small businesses as well. But I really believe that, you know, the world of business has a, a lot to answer for, but be a lot that potentially they could be answering to, you know, and there is so much that they could be doing. 
And so, you know, I, I enjoy doing that work. It is definitely more challenging. You know, you definitely come across a lot more kind of resistance. Um, but increasingly, more and more, you know, businesses are coming to understand that they need to do this, otherwise they're not going to survive. And, you know, very often now it's much easier to convince them of the commercial reason to do this because there is a commercial reason to do it. Um, that, you know, that might not be um, what drives me to do this work, but certainly in terms of, you know, from a business perspective, you are more commercially viable if you are, if you are, you know, considering and working along these change maker lines, because ultimately you need to be sustainable as a business. You need to be yeah, considering the, the planet. You need to be treating your employees well. You know, we've seen all sorts of exposés. I mean, I thought it was really interesting how, you know, one of the first things that got exposed during this pandemic was, you know, was one particular, you know, fast fashion brand and how, you know, they were kind of um, creating these, you know, these sweatshops, um, you know, in, you know, in the Midlands and, you know, that was causing all kinds of, all kinds of problems. Um, and again, you know, it, it's just, it's unacceptable. You know, we can't have people working in these conditions, um, not in this country, not anywhere. It's it's absolutely unacceptable. And that was so that people could get their, you know, pandemic loungewear, you know, turned around within a couple of weeks, you know, all for, all for you know, uh, some jogging bottoms. So, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's unbelievable, but this is what has been happening and it is being exposed. And I think mm. that is what we need to understand and you know yep. businesses need to understand that you know change is happening and they need to be part of it otherwise they're going to be not part of any of it um mm. so no absolutely amazing oh this has just inspired me to like just i just want to get out in the streets now and just give everything i have <laughs> <laughs> take it <laughs> Yeah, people should just just understand like in the in the end we're accountable the, the, the way we spend our money where we decide to spend our money it does have consequences yes and, and we just need to be more Supply aware demand, of that you know, yeah. um so absolutely yeah. absolutely and i think you know for me one of the one of the sort of big issues that i always come back to time and time again is about food wastage because you know we should not have any food poverty in the uk there is absolutely no reason why anyone mm. in this country should go hungry because we have enough food to feed those who you know are living in food poverty three or four times over and that is the truth of it um you know, you've got some amazing organizations that, you know, that I've partnered with before called like Fair Share, for example, you know, they, they, you know, something like 53 million meals worth of food is delivered to the to people in food poverty every single year from food that would otherwise needlessly be thrown away. And, you know, they do some extraordinary work and, you know, they're not the only ones, but they are an amazing, amazing charity. And, you know, I, I think when you start to look at something as basic as, as having, a, you know, a meal, having enough to eat every single day, and the fact that that is a problem that we could solve through sharing and by having a more efficient system and not throwing things away that just don't need to be thrown away you know we've got into this kind of very disposable this idea of i'll oh, just chuck it away oh it's just too much hassle that's ridiculous like fixing fixing things ridiculous yeah, throw it away. so you know i think yeah. um and I'm, I'm hopeful that that you know some of the, the things that have been exposed during this pandemic are leading us to, you know, to change systems. That said, we've got a lot of work to do and I'm under no illusions yeah. about what it's going to take to do that work. But I think what we need to do is keep telling these positive stories, you know, keep changing the narrative and we will change the world if we continue to do that. Boom. <laughs> 
Thank you so much, Vanita. I think we just reached the hour. Absolutely mark. amazing, this, this, Vanita. This has been amazing, really. Like, thank you so much. What a story for, to share, yeah. eh? Yeah, what a story to Pun share. Pun intended. We'll, well definitely <laughs> check your book because I'm honestly so curious to to learn more about all these these change makers, all these these stories. I, I think it's what we need for our soul, you know, this, and <laughs> the I, times we're living in. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I would personally love to like be able to get involved um, with, you know, if there's anything you need oh, assistance with, volunteer work, whatever, I'm, I am more than know. happy Fantastic. to. Fantastic. Well, I'll tell you, you might, re we might regret to live to regret you saying that, but, um, but uh, absolutely we do, not. <laughs> seriously, we seriously do need volunteers. And mm -hmm. um, I mean, literally right now, we are looking for volunteers to help with the people who share. And interestingly, Look at interestingly, that. Julieta, interestingly, I think this is up your street. We are looking for some help with, you know, with communications. And, and I have a feeling that you might be rather good at that. So um, mm -hmm. absolutely, I can, I can send you details because um, we've, just, we've just started to put things out there because once again, we're kind of in that situation where we want to, you know, we want to be doing more as the people who share. Um, because, you know, I set up this nonprofit to, you know, help the planet and people in need through the sharing of vital resources and it's we, we've always been run by volunteers and so we are once again on the lookout for some more volunteers so we'd we'd love your help we'd love your help for sure well there you go. we'll be there and there you everyone listening where where can they you know check out the volunteering opportunities is there it's like a link will it be so at, at the people who share.com and we do have mm -hmm. some opportunities listed on the website um so people okay. can certainly go there i can be contacted very easily i'm at mm -hmm. benita matowska on twitter um at people who share um, we are also um, generation share also has all of its own facebook pages um and uh you know you can find me i'm benita at the people who share.com so I'm, I'm quite easy to track down very easy to track down so feel free to you know to, to contact me directly you know either via social media or via email and we'll make it happen because you know this this the kind of work that i do is all about partnerships it's all about connections and the yeah. events you know the events are a great way to get involved the next one is on the 20th of april um that's in poland and um they're going to their monthly events so they usually take place the third tuesday of the month and mm -hmm. yeah, you can, easy to find amazing well we'll definitely be in touch with you Benita, and we'll be yeah, we will. we'll be yeah seeing more of you for sure Fantastic. yeah we'll share and we'll share all this stuff with our audience yeah in our instagram them yeah definitely Sounds, oh, sounds yeah. absolutely brilliant. Sounds brilliant. Oh, yeah. Benita, thank so you much. so much for well, your thank time. Thank you for sharing because actually, you know, I have found that, you know, I love podcasts myself and I've found that this is a great medium. You know, it's a great way to connect with different people, different audiences, to share these ideas, to share these stories. And that's really how the change happens. The change happens yeah. through the sharing. So thank you so much for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. And it's been lovely to meet both of you and talk to you. Oh, really lovely. Thank you. Thank you so much, Benita. Thank you everyone let's get sharing yeah let's get, let's get sharing, sharing. <laughs> fantastic <laughs> amazing amazing <laughs>